I love this time of the year. I love this time of the year because one tends to look back and look forward. It's a, it's a reflection time. And as I was praying about that with the Lord, um, he said to me, I want you to talk about time. I said, okay. Um, and he said, do you realise that time is the most precious thing I've given to you? You can recycle just about everything except time. We only get one shot at this moment. What we do with it, how we treat it, what flows from it, we don't get to rehearse it, we just get to do it. And so the Lord was pointing out to me the preciousness of time. And, and you know, one of the signs I saw the other day was, you know, spend your time doing this. And I thought, yeah, that's right, we spend time. We don't get to save it, we get to spend it. And so the Lord reminded me then that time is something that he speaks a lot about. <clears throat> there are appointed times, there are God times, and there is just time. And the Bible speaks of the two types of time. One is kairos time, which is God's appointed times, and there's chronos time, which is chronologically time just ticks by. And both are referred to in Scripture. And sometimes we mix them up. Sometimes we think that we're trying to manage God's time for our agendas. We go, God, it's time for you to do so-and-so for me because I want to do so-and-so for you. And that's really not quite what Kairos time is all about. God has a perfect plan and a perfect timing for all things. He does reveal it to us. In the Old Testament, there was a, a group or a, or a clan or a part of the the, the nation uh, called the men of Issachar. And these were guys that were known for knowing the seasons of God. <clears throat> there are, most of us are just kind of going along and we go, oh yes, thank you Lord for what you're doing. But these guys were, were in a sense prophetic in that they could see what God was going to do and they declared it. God has seasons. He created seasons so that he could refresh the earth. And he created seasons in our lives that he could refresh us. And every day is a fresh start, according to scriptures. Every day is, in one sense, to God, at like a thousand years. And in another sense, it's 24 hours. And so time is something that we kind of just, I think, perhaps, um, miss what God is trying to say to us. So I just want to start by encouraging you to look at your Old Testament <clears throat> and look at what Ecclesiastes says to us about time. In Ecclesiastes 3, these are the words of, we believe, Solomon, who was regarded as the wisest person who ever lived, at least up until the time of Jesus. And so in Ecclesiastes 3, we read these words, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. That says everything. Nothing is missed. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn 
and a time to dance, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, that's not people, that's another meaning for that, a time for war and a time for peace. Covers most of the bases, doesn't it? And so God has declared there is a time for all of these things under heaven. And that means there's a time for all of those in our lives. What does the worker gain from his toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on men, says the writer. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. What is has already been and what will be has been before and God will call the past to account. We might stop there. That's a good place to stop because God calls the past to us and in this time of reflection we can go, well, <clears throat> this has been a good year. This has been a tough year. This has been, there's been times in this year when I've wept. There have been times this year when I've laughed. And so if you look at the list of things that there's a time for under heaven, a lot of that is applied to our lives uniquely individually through this year. And so we shouldn't think that somehow or other we've been singled out for punishment because we got it wrong, which is sometimes what people think. We should recognise that God has said there's a time for all these things under heaven, but that we know that God is good and that he loves us and he has made provision for us in Jesus Christ that there is nothing under heaven that we need fear or worry about because God is with us. We touched on it. I, I love the worship set this morning and you know, that we touched on this whole sense of the kingdom. We as a people in the movement called Vineyard are a peculiar people. I want you to hear this because it's important. We are not a people who learn about the kingdom. We are not a people who want to be brilliant students of the kingdom. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are a people called into action. We are called to engage in kingdom activities. That's who we are. We are called to be a people who will do the kingdom of God. Now, do we do it right all the time? Absolutely not. But we get to have another go time after time after time. Now, Carol's not here today because she's not well. Now, 
I believe in healing. I believe in praying for the kingdom to come. I believe in pushing back the darkness. And I will not stop doing that because I'm called to that as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so are you. If you believe in Jesus, it's not I know about Jesus. It's I know Jesus does stuff. Now, does he do it all the time for me? No. But that doesn't stop me knowing he can, knowing that I should continue to ask him. And I'm calling you to that. My friends, I'm calling you to that for next year. I'm calling you to be a people who will engage in the kingdom, not talk about it. When there's an invitation to come and pray out the front, come and pray out the front. Don't sit there and let somebody else do it. You're called into action in the kingdom. This is who we are. If you want to go and go to another church and sit and watch, do that. But if you want to be a player, come here. Because this is where we play. This is where we do the stuff. The stuff of the kingdom of God. That's what I signed up for 25 years ago. And I'm still doing it and I want to keep doing it until I'm at eternity sure. And you can sing that song for me when it's my turn in the, in the coffin. I really mean that. Because this is who we are. We're not spectators in the kingdom of God. We're participants in the kingdom of God. I've got a lot of friends who go to other churches and I love them. But I feel sorry for them that they're not invited into the game. They don't come and lay hands on people and look at the kingdom to come. That's what we get to do. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. You don't have to... It's a privilege. Respond. You see, <clears throat> how do you spend your time? We have a past, we have a present and we have a future. Today's a day to reset, I believe. The invitation is to reset. <clears throat> the future is ahead of us. The past is behind us, but we have a present. And we're meant to live in the present. The present moment with the Lord. God is very clear about how to approach time. Jesus picks up on this. And he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So do you treasure your time? Do you treasure your relationship with the, with the Lord? I believe that what Jesus is saying here is dig down to what's the driver in your soul. What do you want to spend time with Jesus for? What do you want to spend time with Jesus for? You see, he's desperate to spend time with us and he's already here waiting for us to engage. The Lord said to me, I want you to be present in my presence. So often we're not fully present to God. We pray, we talk to God, but are we really fully present or are we half present? Are we half thinking about stuff? And you know, if you want to get really fully present to God, you know where that happens? In ministry time. That's when you're fully present to God because come and, come and says, I have a sore neck, will you pray for me? And you go, Lord, this person has a sore neck. How do I pray? So you fully engage with God in that moment. That's how you fully engage. Well, that's a good way to fully engage. It's not the only way, but it's a way that we all get to fully engage. So ministry is a powerful engagement time. You know, <clears throat> we seek God's presence. We don't have to seek his presence. He's here. God is here right now by his spirit. Oh, he, he is we haven't got to seek him, but he wants, he's already here, but he wants us to engage with him. 
He wants us to engage with him. Is the driver in your soul to want to be connected to Jesus? Are we chasing after the kingdom of God for what it looks like? Or are we engaging in the battle that is the one that Jesus has won for us to take and take into the earth? That's what he's inviting us to. That's what makes us different. We don't just talk about it, we do it. When you run into the people in the coffee shop and they say, I've got a sick uncle, father, mother, sister, brother, say, can we pray for that? And I've never had anyone say no yet. I've offered a lot of times. Some people shrug their shoulders like, well, I don't know if that's going to work or not. And I say, well, we'll pray. Thank you. Um, we'll keep praying. And we ask. We go back and ask them. There's a couple of people right now that are really, really sick in hospital. A, a, a person who is the father of one of the ladies that works in the coffee shop that we go to regularly. He's been in hospital in ICU for weeks. And we keep praying. And we tell the girl, we're keeping on praying. She said, nothing's happened yet. We're losing our faith. I said, don't give up. We're not. You know, we're calling her into a place of trusting God, yet they don't really even know God. But we're saying, we will keep praying. We believe that we can. That's our job. We want to engage in your battle against the brokenness and the, and the darkness of the enemy over your, your father's life. If you read the commentary for Ecclesiastes, it says this. The key to living life in all its fullness cannot be found in the world. Kirk preached about this on Christmas Day, I think. There's been some really good messages lately. I, I mean, not just lately, but they've been really on the money. And, and one was, it covered some of these things. The purpose for life cannot be found in nature, in money, in self-indulgence, in property, in position, in intelligence, in philosophy or religious observance. Now that's written by people who have studied Ecclesiastes across the spectrum, all of the theological heavyweights of the globe up until 20 years ago, all their commentaries put together. That's what they are saying about what this says. Some of these pursuits are better than others, but all encounter issues that invalidate them as the solution to the problem, the challenge of living fully to God. See, nothing else will do it. Only living fully to God can come from a choice that we make to engage fully with God. <clears throat> God designed the life plan. Why would you want to hook up to a second best life plan? Fair question, I thought, this time of the year. <clears throat> I want to work in line with God's life plan to live the life that God has for me to live. There's nothing better. And part of that, and a key to that, is engaging with God. How else will I know what it is if I just sit down and make it up, which is what the world tells us to do? Living in the now time, under the umbrella of the seasons that God has set as his times, the Kronos sitting under the Kairos, if you like. God designed the times and the seasons according to his best plan for man. God's time 
And his time plan, his Kairos timing, is the best timing plan there is. He's made that. And he said, he, he gave us the freedom of choosing how to live and what to do in the moment to moment, day to day. He's given us that freedom. He said a season and he said, now, live in the season. And I go, okay, how am I going to do that today, Lord? He said, well, that's a good question. Let's do it together. Rather than, I'm going to set an objective that in five years I'm going to be there or do that. Now, I'm not against long-term planning. I totally agree with it. But sometimes we need to not be caught up in the, the whole sense of that's what I'm focused on. We need to focus on the now as part of getting to the full expression of living according to God's plan. It's critical to engage, to be present to God now. You know, it sounds simple, doesn't it? It sounds, makes sense. But for some reason or other, we find it hard to do. In the New Testament, Kairos time is, is written of 86 times for the season, the harvest, the appropriate time, the appointed time. And Kronos is 54 times to refer to the day or the hour or the moment in time. And so you see, God speaks of both. And he speaks to us of both. It was like when Jesus was with the disciples and they were going to go up to Jerusalem. And he said, my time is not yet come. So Jesus knew it wasn't time for him to go. But he said, you can go now. I'll come later. I'll come when it's my time. This is in John 7, verse 6 through 8. <clears throat> the brothers could go anytime. Jesus said, you're free to go. But Jesus knew for him, because of his connection with the Father, it wasn't quite the time. Once they went, he followed them up. I don't know why. Why didn't he go with them? doesn't say. It just says Jesus knew it wasn't his time. So he had a connection with the Father that let him know it wasn't his time. There's a clue there. There's a clue there. Jesus invites us into that same relationship. I only do what I see the Father doing, he says in John 5, 12, uh, 19, 19 and 20, yeah. I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus had a connection with the Father. Now, here's another one. Here's a curly one that will maybe give you something to think about. Jesus and the Father are one, okay? But Jesus said, I don't know the time when the Father's, when, when, when I'm going to come back. I don't know the time. Only the Father knows the time. That's interesting because Jesus and the Father are one. What that says to me is that Jesus trusted his Father. He didn't need to know. The Father knows that's good enough for me, said Jesus. It should be good enough for us too. The Father knows the time. We'll trust him with the timing for things. Recognising the Kairos time. So how do we stay in that time? We're meant to stay in that time by engaging. If you look at how Jesus lived and walked and talked with those around him in the everyday, full of grace and truth, and then when the Father signalled, he moved into the kingdom of God, power encounters in word and deeds. The same for us. Jesus was doing life every day and then suddenly God would say, that person, and Jesus would move into kingdom power at that moment. 
That's the invitation of being present to God for us. Folks, we're a different people. We're a kingdom people. I don't know what other churches are calling their people to, but I know what we're called to, what we were birthed for as a movement, is to be kingdom people at work in the kingdom. That's who we are. And the way we do that is to be present to God in the moment, to walk according to the leading of the Spirit and flow with that and go with that. Jesus invites us to that same journey, that at just the right time we will move according to the leading of the kingdom of God. Jesus invites us to that today. The invitation from God today is unhook from the old past paradigms of dreaming your dreams and setting your agendas. Engage with God. Choose to embrace fully the dream, plan, destiny that's in the Father's heart for you, brackets, even though he may not yet have revealed it to you. Okay? There's a dream in God's heart for you and for me. Say yes to that. I want that. Even though you don't know what it's going to look like. You know it's going to be good because it's God's father heart for you. Nothing could be better. Don't negotiate. Say yes. Yes. I want to forget all the old ways I used to negotiate my life with you, Lord, and I'm diving in fully to your kingdom plan, your dream in your heart for my heart, Lord, for my life. I want that. For the rest of my days, I want that. I pray that you might want it too. Choose to live every day according to God's revelation for the day. Jesus said, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today. There's enough problems in today, he said. But consider the lilies. They don't stress or strain or worry about tomorrow. Look at the beauty there. Life will be challenging for us with or without Jesus, so I'd sooner do it with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I reckon that's a better way to go. Because this life in this broken world will be challenging for you in 2019. I'm not going to stand here and say next year is going to be a smooth ride. It won't be. That's not a threat or a promise. It's a fact. <laughs> it's just how it's going to be because we live in a broken world. And the broken world is going to keep throwing mud at us and keep putting tripwires across our path. And so it's going to be messy. But I'd sooner do the messy walk with Jesus than without Jesus, wouldn't you? That's the invitation. Don't do it without him. Do it with him. There is a time for everything under heaven in the earth as it affects you. The best way to navigate that is with God in his time and in his plan. So engage, engage with God. Yesterday morning when I came down here for prayer, I happened to be here before the others. I don't always do that. But I was walking around and I just said, Lord, you know, for tomorrow morning, I just want to speak what's on your heart to the people. And, and it was a moment of engagement with God. Now, I'd already written my notes, but there was an engagement moment where I, where I had this sense of, yeah, okay, there's a couple of other things to add. There was an engagement there which connects us from God's heart, I believe, to my heart, to my words to you today, out of my spirit. I'm not just here to fill the blank. 
This time is precious. I don't want to waste any of it. I don't want you to feel like you've wasted it. I want you to hear the invitation of God. Leave the past behind. That's the first thing to do. Don't let the past carry into your future anything that's grotty or difficult. I have a rear view mirror look at life. And I look at it and I ask God to blank out the stuff that's not been very good and help me remember the good stuff. He'll do that. And then I say, Lord, I want to forget and be unhooked from all of the stuff that might be a shackle or a bondage to me being able to run with you into the next day. And I think at the end of the year, it's a good time to do that, is to get rid of everything that would be in any way holding us back. God wants to give us a clean sheet for 2019. So to start with a clean sheet, get rid of the rubbish. We moved house again recently. We thought we got rid of everything we didn't need. We got rid of a whole lot more stuff that we didn't need because we still seem to be okay. Funny about that, isn't it? How we gather stuff and we carry it along with us. You know, we think we've got to have all these bits and pieces and stuff and then suddenly we don't need it anymore. The invitation of God this time of the year is to do that. I, want to, I just want to say this. We are a doing, not a watching people. We are a doing people. God has birthed us to be a doing people. Who wants to be a doing person in 2019? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You and I are doing people. And we're not just going to watch. We're going to do the kingdom of God. We can't do that on our own. We have to engage with God to do God's stuff. It's all pretty simple, really. But we just need to step into it and engage. Is there anything hard about that? Well, let me put it another way. Um, <laughs> the first thing to do is to what? Is to step into it. Then you go, ah, oh, now I'm in. What do I do now, Lord? Help. You know, it's a wild adventure. It is one of the most awesome ways to live life. I've been trying it for a long time and I keep making a lot of mistakes, but I never know what's coming. But I know it's good because God's in it. I ask him to be in it and he wants to be good for you and good to you and to your family and to your extended family and to your workplace that you step in as a doing of the kingdom person in 2019. We're doers, not just hearers of the word. And the presence of God is with us and all he's saying to us is, be present to me. Be present to me. That's the key. In Jesus' name. Amen. Whew. Okay, now. The Lord wants to set you free from how you've been thinking about what it means to do the kingdom. He wants to release you into the, I'm a doer now, Lord. I want to do the kingdom. I want to see the kingdom advance. I want to push back against the enemy. The way we prayed, the way Kirk prayed for the guy in the Philippines. That's how we're meant to pray. That's how I prayed for Carol this morning. Now, she didn't leap out of bed after that because her knees are crook and she's also got sore eyes. I mean, she's, she's a walking miracle waiting to happen. <laughs> That's what I said to her this morning. So she said, okay, I'm up for that. You know, I, I get so frustrated 
when I pray and nothing happens because it's supposed to happen. And I keep praying until I see something happen. And that's the invitation to those of us that want to join in the kingdom battle. The enemy is not just going to walk away because we shape up. He's going to fight back. But we've got the victory. Sometimes it's hard to feel it, see it and know it. But the truth is, we have it. We sang it this morning. No matter what happens, we have the victory. It mightn't look like it. It might look like we've lost. But we haven't. You get the difference? We have not lost because Jesus has won. And he has delegated his victory to us to declare it in the earth as his ambassadors. So I'm inviting you, my brothers and sisters, to be about the kingdom stuff next year, to be doers, not just hearers of the word. Let's stand and we'll pray. Father, thank you that there is a time that in your great, wonderful love plan for our lives, for everything to happen and for the things that are in your heart to flow out towards us. Father, thank you that you are not a controlling God, that you are a God who stands with us and releases your kingdom authority and power into the earth through us. Lord, sometimes we just expect you to wave a magic wand, but you actually call us to be that magic wand, to be your kingdom proclaimed. Lord, help us to stay faithful. Help us to engage with you. Help us to be present to you in the year ahead, Lord. Oh, Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your goodness towards us. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would sear into our soul this morning the truth that nothing, no thing can bring life to us but you, Lord. You are the life giver. Everything else is a counterfeit second best. Help us to hang on to you, Lord, and to engage with you, Lord, and let your kingdom come into us and through us in all the days ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen? Okay, amen.